The estate planning team is an Ohio registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. All right, turn it up, Karen. I can tell this is out of my era of music already by the... You don't know who it is yet? There's only one man that can scream like that. I was going to say the Doors. Very good. I was going to say it felt very Door... Doors? Sound, yeah. yeah. Doris. But I don't know that I've heard this one. Well, it's very relevant to the conversation I'm going to be having today. Okay. What's the song title? Backdoor Man. Oh. So we're going to learn everything that needs to learn about backdoor IRAs, backdoor Roth IRAs, mega Roth backdoor, mega, mega Roth IRAs. Okay. We get a lot of questions. Good morning, everyone. You found Financial Food for Thought. We've got Mark Daly and Carrie Waddell back with us this week. Carrie. Mm-hmm. Welcome back. Oh, yeah. I did listen to that. You said I was on Mount... Yeah. But anyway, so... We get a lot of questions over the years of, Mark, what's a backdoor Roth IRA? And what is this mega backdoor Roth IRA I keep hearing about? And what's bringing it to surface this summer, of course, is when ProPublica blew the doors off Wall Street when they dropped the bomb that... Peter Thiel had accumulated $5 billion in his Roth IRA. He didn't do it illegally. I think good for him. And they crowned him Lord of the Roths. Why not? Good for him. And and they also said, well, here, let's see if he can. Uh, Peter Thiel's $5 billion retirement account. ProPublica explains how the entrepreneur racked up billions in tax-free gains over the last 20 years, utilizing a loophole in the Roth individual retirement account to cash in on PayPal, Palantir, and Facebook. Joining us this morning, one of the reporters who wrote that story, ProPublica's Justin Elliott. Justin, uh, welcome. You know, we had uh, Jesse Isinger, your colleague, on not too long ago, and he said you guys would have more on the tax front, and he obviously wasn't kidding. I, I hope he can talk about... How this Roth yeah, because I want to know how he did it, too. I want to teach my clients how to do it. Mm-hmm. Sure. So as many people probably know, uh, the Roth is a, a special tax-free account. So any kind of capital gains, interest, dividends uh, that occur within the Roth are totally tax-free. So it's a very powerful thing. So what our reporting found is that Peter Thiel, back in 1999, uh, purchased his founder shares in the company that would become PayPal, um, with his Roth IRA, which at the time had a contribution cap of just $2,000, uh, and it grew from there. That's stunning in itself. That's the pause, because mm-hmm. I think, uh, it, you know, the, the announcer is saying, let me just get that straight. He put 2000 in, and it's now worth how much? $5 billion? $5 billion? Uh, indeed. And then come April 2027, he's going to be able to withdraw how much money tax-free? Five million? Five, well, or whatever it goes? Well, uh, uh, we know that the Roth had $5 billion in it. And I think it's important to note that uh, this growth from uh, under 2000 back uh, 20 years ago to $5 billion today Maybe eight billion uh, now. does not just reflect the fact that Peter Thiel is a brilliant investor, which is something that uh, we all already knew. Um, it also reflects the fact that <clears throat> these founder shares he bought in the company that would become PayPal um, were priced at the time at uh, literally a tenth of a penny per share. Um, we found an SEC filing that suggests that uh, those shares were actually at below fair market value. Um, and uh, you're actually not allowed to purchase assets below value with your. So he's trying to say now that maybe what he did wasn't legal. Okay. 
because of some obscure law that says. But 20 years ago, who knew whether or not, I mean, how many people invested two grand in something that flopped and never became of anything? Well, that, that so that's, that's the argument. That's the follow-up question. Listen right. here. Rod, so there's, there's sort of unanswered questions about how, how exactly this happened. Right. So you're saying that those shares, when they went into the IRA many years ago, they were actually undervalued. But at the same time, right, let's say that they were fairly valued and they were worth pennies instead of one tenth of a penny. Uh, How could he have known that they would be worth millions or billions even years later? So how do you I guess my question is, how do lawmakers sort of go after this? Exactly. Sure. I mean, it's a great question. I mean, well, going back to the early months of of the company that become PayPal, I mean, you're absolutely right that. Uh, he couldn't know that it was going to, uh, you know, become worth tens of millions. But actually, uh, just the month after he bought these founder shares, uh, the company did raise half a million dollars from outside investors. So uh, it, there, there already was clear promise there. Uh, you know, the larger policy uh, issue here is that um, when Congress created Roth IRAs in the late late nineties, um, it was really intended to be a sort of modest. Uh, tax incentive for middle-class Americans to save for retirement. Um, that's why they imposed uh, these strict contribution limits of how much money you could put into one of these things. So I think the question now is, uh, is there really any policy justification for, uh, you know, ultra-wealthy people like Peter Thiel having uh, literally billions of dollars in a, in a tax-free account? Um, what, you know, why should he get that advantage versus another investor? Um, clearly, uh, it's more than enough to retire on. So uh, that's really the question here. So you know, is, so is he sounding just? Is he sounding more like a just a journalist, carry or a Democratic progressive operative? Yeah. Um, so the and we're, I'm going to talk today about Roth IRAs. You know, all of July on this radio show, and we're now in August. Believe it or not, Gary. Jeez. Uh, but we've been highlighting discussion points about IRAs. And, and again, using that term broadly, 401ks, 403bs, what have you. And so today, uh, we'll, we'll finish up, I'll talk a little bit about the Roth. And, and specifically, if that's, if that's Justin, I'm not here, Gary. Okay. The, um, the, we'll talk about the conversion, Roth conversions versus contributions, because that's one way why we have such large Roths today. Right. We'll talk about the backdoor Roth contribution, mm-hmm. as well as the mega backdoor Roth contribution, which is sometimes called, I call it the barn door Roth right. contribution, right? And why you may want to use some of those opportunities mm-hmm. in a very complicated tax code, perhaps before they those loopholes is what the Democrats are now causing them. Are calling them close, right. you know. So that so we got a lot of pressure since ProPublica. Now it's interesting, ProPublica's report. They're not disclosing how they got the information. Yeah. Nor though are they saying that anyone they mention is did anything illegal. Okay. Okay, but the question I have is, well, is it legal for somebody to disclose? That private information on a U.S. taxpayer. Mm. Because actually, it goes beyond tax returns. So your tax return doesn't tell me how much you have in a Roth IRA. Or how much you invested in a specific type of stock and what you bought it with. Like, that's usually stuff on your statement or that's private information. But, you know. That's those 5498s where the IRA custodian has to report to the government you know what the balances are in all these IRAs mm-hmm. and Roth IRAs and when contributions were made or conversions were executed that also goes to the IRS so is it legal for that data to be released mm, i would say no and so what does the IRS say about this well, they're not saying a whole lot other than the one <laughs> comment I did see them make is that they have opened an investigation to find out who leaked the data. 
Yeah, good luck with that. All right, get us started. All right, good morning, everyone. You're listening to Financial Food for Thought. We're here every Saturday morning on 1420 AM between 9 and 10. We're a financial educational program here to give you concepts, strategies, and helpful information about issues that could impact your financial life and how what policymakers, you know, things that you need to be proactive, whether you're still working and would like to retire, or if you're in retirement, how do you use your assets as effectively and possible? And regardless of what stage you're in, what steps and strategies um, you need to use to address issues like spending, inflation, which is certainly a concern and headlines all over, rising health care costs, market volatility, and so much more. Especially right now, we have more favorable rates. We know what the tax laws are today. They could come and change those. So use opportunities where they are. And that's what we talk about on the show. We're sponsored by the estate planning team. That's an affordable fee-based fiduciary planning firm that's been around more than 35 years in Cleveland. We're traditional financial planner, numbers crunchers. And what we do is build custom financial plans and help people through objective, unbiased analysis when you're faced with a financial choice, which could be if you're still working, you know, how much you should really be putting into the company plan, or if you're lucky enough to have a Roth 401k you know, helping people with contributions or IRA distribution planning, which is a big one, Roth conversions, which is different than um, contributions, pension elections, timing of Social Security, whatever that may be. We also offer a free no obligation consultation, which we're happy to do in person or by phone to see if you can benefit from the type of planning that we offer. And if you'd like to take advantage of a free consultation, and on our website we do have some incentives for that, you can give us a call at 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com. And if you want to do some due diligence, we are accredited members and A-rated members of the Better Business Bureau and Super Service Award winners multiple years on Angie's List. And you can see reviews there as well. And that's 440-239-2090. Leave a message. We will call you back on Monday. If you send an email, we will respond. So for some reason in out there in the internet, if you send an email and don't get a response, um, please send it in or reach out because we always try to respond to every email that we receive. And you're listening to Carrie Waddell and I have Mark Donnelly here this morning. All right. Thanks, Carrie. Before I get to the backdoor Roth IRAs, just a call, uh, you know, we had a, the triple witching data jobs data week, right? Mm-hmm. So once a month, usually, you know, the first uh, the Friday of the month, we, we, we get the, uh, well, the first week, I should say, of the month, we get not only the jo- the monthly jobs report. So we're taping this show on Friday. So the jobs report came out this morning. But on Wednesday, we had the ADP monthly report. And then on Thursday, as usual, we had the weekly jobless claims report. So okay. we had all three this week. So there's three big data points that people watch. And how did they come out? Because this is it. Is America going back to work or are they not going back to work? I don't think they're, well, seeing all the for, say, for hire or help wanted signs. Uh... Right. And we're getting more and more inquiries about can I not have to go back to work? Gary, or, right? yeah, I want to quit my full-time job. I don't mind working part-time or seasonal, but I definitely don't want to work full-time anymore. And, and it, certainly people are even switching jobs because, you know, employers are giving incentivizing. And we've had clients that switch jobs, and they've been with a company a long time for a better-paying job and better benefits. Right. And this is happening nationally, not only oh, locally. Yeah. and. They call it the Great Resignation, right? Mm-hmm. And, and they're they're saying there's a lot of reasons for it, uh, not the least of which is people, if they have to go back to work and wear masks, they might not go back to work. Mm-hmm. There's also you know, you know reasons to believe that people when people got used to staying home, right? A, a little a little pre retirement lifestyle, mm-hmm. and guess what? They liked it. They liked it a lot more actually than going to work every day. Yeah. So a lot of people are wondering, hey, can I financially swing it? So if you're wondering about that, certainly that's the that's the time where let's build a financial model, a pre-retirement model to say, hey, can you do it? And if you've never built a financial plan before, that's it may be difficult <laughs> if you've never done it before. So we can certainly help in that area. But let's get back to the jobs data, because what do the jobs numbers tell us? Are people going back to work or not? Well, Wednesday's ADP was a, a surprise down. 
a downward surprise, right? So the street was looking for 690,000, you know, forecasted new jobs. It came in at 330,000. That was a big miss. Mm -hmm. That got the week saying people scratching their heads and saying, ooh, maybe maybe there is something about people aren't going back to work yet, right? But then we had the Thursday weekly jobless claims. There, the median estimate was uh, about for 383,000. These are, you know, people um, who are saying they're not working, you know, filing, Mm -hmm. you know, jobless claims. Different than new jobs. This is the opposite end, right? And but that in the actual number came in at three hundred eighty-five. So that met, you know, that's just about okay. right where where uh, they were thinking. But um, but continuing claims declined to just below three million. That's the lowest total since March of twenty twenty. So that was a positive, you know, in that negative, you know, well, jobless claim wasn't really right. negative or positive, came in an estimate, but that was the upside surprise that that continuing claims was down below that three million threshold since since the Rona shut down. Right. But then what people were really waiting for was the Friday jobs report. And that's where we had the big upside surprise where the medium estimate was for about 858,000 new non-farm payrolls. The actual number came in at 943,000, a clear beat, right? Even closer to the upper end range of 1.2 million. Now, remember, the lower end range for experts was saying 350,000. That's a very wide range, but it came in at the upper end. Um, Also, there were uh, positive, uh, um, you know, revisions, positive revisions from the prior two months. So actually, Carrie, over 60 days, there was about 1.9 million new jobs created. That is a nice trend. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, that is progress. Certainly. Now, is it a substantial further progress that Fed Chairman Powell has been waiting for before making a monetary move? I don't know. He He's also not going to move quickly. He's made that very clear. He's not going to move on one data point or one month's right. data point. But certainly it goes into his into their models and they watch the very closely. And we'll see because they'll be, you know, you know, the, the Fed is next scheduled to meet in September. So there'll be one more jobs report. You know, we'll get the August jobs report before they have that fed meeting in september and we'll see if if the trend is still very positive will that be enough incentive to make him move so a lot of people are waiting for that um and a lot of that is too will by september i don't know maybe it'll be too quickly maybe not carry will we see an effect of the back to school right right because a lot of people are You know, thinking that one of the reasons why there haven't been more people going back to work is because moms are still home with the kids. I don't think that explains the numbers of people not going back to work. You don't? You're not buying that? No, not a bit. Not even part of it? I think it's going to be a very minute percentage. Well, we'll see. So, uh, By the way, back to school, Ohio has the um, weekend. It started actually today. Sales tax holiday. All, all weekend for certain yeah, items, school supply. Do you I have already to be- do that? Or, yeah. No, I mean, my youngest is in high school now. I bought stuff a while ago at Mark's. It was They're on expect- sale. You know, retail is expecting big numbers, yeah. Gary. They, you know, He's a boy. He really doesn't care about clothes. Like, Right, so. but I mean, he still needs a pair of jeans, right? And, yeah, no, I, yeah, we're good with clothes. So, Or, you know, the book bag or whatever. The new, no, the new laptop computer. That's what. Oh, yeah, that, no, and that's that, not happening. Is that what he needs? I'm uh, sure he'd like that, but... So, yeah, so retail is banking on, they're betting that they've got, you know, mm-hmm. um, now, and, and the estimates of increases year over year for back to school have been increasing over the last 60 days. So in June, they were talking maybe 25% uh, increases. And now more recently, they're talking maybe 46%. That, I don't know if it's going to be that high. Uh, I mean, it, but obviously it's going to be double digit. Now, MasterCard, they were a little bit less rosy on their mm-hmm. predictions. They're, um, they were saying that they expect the average spending per student this year to be $270. Are you at that level, Carrie? No, I don't think so. The, I mean, need, I, I think supply... you need the Apple laptop to yeah. get there, right? Well, I don't know. I guess if you need a overhaul in clothes, but we've never done that. Um, okay. um, 
I I'll, guess you could, especially how many, is it per kid? This is per student. Mm, I don't know. I think then, like, you're not looking for the deals. Then, you know, compared to last <laughs> year's up from $250, that's about an 8% increase, close to double digits. So we'll see. So certainly the retail is looking for a big back-to-school sale to, to participate in that beach ball bounce recovery. You know, really, thing. you don't need as many pencils or pens because now they do so much on the computer, Mark, you know? Right. I'm thinking about well, all the supplies. Even like in high school, my first one needed like different pens and different colored stuff. I even though he did stuff on, but it's really gone away from all of that. All right, so Carrie, let's see. So, what's with this mega IRAs and all the commotion? And the reason why I'm I'm spending a little bit of time talking about what our politicians are talking about is is to alert you know, the listeners out there that, yeah, we always say on this show, don't get bogged down in the complexity of the tax code, right? Look for opportunities that are available today that might not be available tomorrow. And don't get mad if someone else used them. I still think that's a great, you know, how much you, how happy would you be if you, not to five billion, but if you put 2000 in a Roth and you started and by time retirement, it was worth even 300,000 tax free or whatever that number is a half a million. And, and by the way, you know, before you decapitate the uh, Lord of the Roth, Peter Thiel, remember tax free is got an asterisk after it. Okay. Right. It's income. It's tax. income tax free. It's not federal estate tax free. It is if you're under the means. exemption. But he ain't. Right. So his $5 billion Roth IRA, you know, and again. That's the, why you should spend it. If there's anything that's <laughs> in there at the time of his or his husband's death, it, it, it doesn't go estate tax free to their mm-hmm. daughter. Right. Okay. There's going to be, under the current law, well, I'm sure there'll be a 40% estate tax. Right. But you don't think that he's going to be using tools and strategies to set up some ways to. You can't move the Roth IRA out of your estate, Carrie. You, you can't put, you can't, that's not one of the assets you can oh, that's move right, because to that irrevocable trust. Because it's a beneficiary driven it's an asset. It's an individual Roth IRA. Right. So you only can. Benef- you know, that's one of the reasons why wealthy, you know, taxpayers at one time weren't, their plan wasn't to put a lot of money into Roth mm-hmm. IRAs. Because, you know, when, believe me, when the federal state tax exemption was 600000 a far cry from today's $11.7 million, yeah. Right. And, and couples today get two of those, you know, twenty three point four million. Um, but when the federal state tax exemption was six hundred thousand, what was the, what was the big advantage of keeping a, 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 a huge Roth IRA if it was going to be subject to a 50 percent estate tax? Right. So so that's one of the changes that has happened, you know, since the 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 the. the over the 2000s and 2010, over the last 20, 30 years. You know, so we'll talk, you know, now. So as as I was mentioning, ProPublica, when they released that scathing report about all the wealthy and how they're abusing the IRA rules, it also perked the ears of our Congress. Of course it did. Okay, and not the Congress. I'm thinking they're probably using it. Some of them, you think? I'm sure they are. The the, um, now, so it's not like the 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 Congress's think tanks haven't been thinking about this. So the Joint Congressional Committee on Taxation they keep stats and they review things. So they came out with some recent data just to show you how this growth isn't myth it's reality so carrie they were saying that in 2011 there were 8,000 u.s taxpayers who had iras greater than five million dollars okay they're saying by 2019 that's the latest data available that's more than triple it's up to 25,000 so 25,000 taxpayers now have more than five million in an ira this is what they're calling mega IRA. Now, I tried to f- get into the weeds, and I really couldn't without trying to maybe get my hands on the, the, that official joint congressional publication. I don't know if they even make it public. But 
they're using language mega IRAs. I don't know if they're really distinguishing whether that's Roth IRAs or traditional IRAs or a combination of both, but I don't think it includes the 401ks. Mm-hmm. All right. I don't know, but if anybody knows, let me know. You know it, um, but anyways, so they're saying that with now, they're saying right now 497 Americans have mega IRAs greater than 25 million. Okay. And the average aggregate balance of that group per IRA is 150 million. Nice. Okay. Now, so remember one of the voices I said you might want to start listening to is the House and Ways Means Committee Chairman, Richard Neal. Okay. Um, now, we also have the Senate Finance Committee Chairman. His, his, that's Ron Wyden. So Ron Wyden is a Democrat out of Oregon, and Richard Neal is a Democrat out of Massachusetts. Okay, so they're the two top tax guys, respectively, in the Senate and the House. All right, so let's listen to them. So what, what, what are they kind of hitting at? Um, well, here's Richard I'll start with, uh, here's Richard Neal's comment. IRAs are intended to help Americans achieve long-term financial security, not to enable those who already have extraordinary wealth to avoid paying their fair share in taxes and deepen existing inequalities in our nation. The Ways and Means Committee is already looking at strategies to ensure that this retirement savings tool isn't misused as a tax shelter for folks at the very top. Can you be any more clearer than that, Carrie? Well, how about Senator Ron Wyden's? His comment, it's shocking, but not surprising to see how the use of mega IRA accounts by mega millionaires and billionaires has exploded. IRAs were designed to provide retirement security to middle-class families, not allow the super wealthy to avoid paying taxes. This is the perfect example of what I've long called the the take uh, the, the 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 two tax codes of America. The tale of the two tax codes of America okay. he calls it. On one hand, you have 100 million Americans with no retirement savings. On the other hand, you have just 497 Americans with more than 25 million in mega IRA accounts. As we continue to develop proposals to make the tax code more fair, closing these loopholes will be a top priority. Meaning they need to generate revenue for the government. Well, meaning, I guess, they're going to penalize the people that did put their savings into IRAs and Roth IRAs and you know for and then help out the people who didn't cuz how is it going to help out the people that didn't well because they'll uh they'll get they'll give us helicopter money oh okay and that solves problems when you yeah, just yeah the universal basic income yeah i don't like that. like that idea you shouldn't get something just cuz you or are or they'll they'll develop some plan that says as soon as you're born in america the government starts putting money into your ira which is ridiculous what about our you know cuz the government i mean we have choices i guess they keep taking those away but okay um so th- so the question is how did these IRAs get so big. Because remember, loopholes doesn't mean anything anyone is doing anything illegal. You call it yeah, we they call it a loophole, we call it an opportunity. Right. That that okay, maybe not, but also those loopholes can be used for all kinds of people even if you're a state not nearly as big, maybe you want to use it because you're worried about tax rates going up, so you create a pot of money that you can access tax free in the future so that if tax rates are go up, your taxes don't. Now, it's, but also sometimes people pick up the connotation of loophole, meaning it's something illegal. Right. So they get, they get, they run, they stay away from it. Oh, loophole, I'm going to be, you know, arrested. No, loophole doesn't mean it's illegal. It just means that it's, it's something that's because of the complicated tax code. Which some, means you have to make sure you do it correctly yeah, if you're wa- using it. Right. Some Wall Street attorney has figured out a way how to benefit from it. Right. And and loopholes, I always say, are 
legal until they get too big, meaning too many taxpayers are going through it. Right. That's usually when Congress steps back in and closes it. Right. And it looks like that is the direction. Now, does that mean that they're going to make everybody's Roth IRA taxable? No. No. They're going to just go it from this date going forward. People aren't allowed to do it. But for now, there are plenty of opportunities, which we look for a lot of our clients. And we're gearing up for that time of year where we're looking for, you know, ways people can, whether it's contributions or conversions to do that. So how, again, how do they get so big? Well, it's because it's the history of, you you know, a lot of things that's happened since Roth IRAs, I guess, came into existence in 1998. IRAs came in a lot before then, but, you know, the Roth IRAs came in in 1998. Well, one is, for example, I I mentioned, you know, prior to 2010, Carrie, you, if wealthy individuals weren't allowed to make Roth conversions. Remember, there's two ways you can get your money into a Roth IRA. There's contributions. And conversions. And conversions. So prior to 2010, if you had modified adjusted gross income of greater than $100,000, you weren't allowed to do a Roth conversion. So when that restriction was lifted permanently in 2010, that opened the door for many wealthy taxpayers to do Roth conversions where they weren't allowed to do them before. Then you had President Trump's, you know, added to that in 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, which basically doubled the federal state tax exemption. That's what I was referring to a few minutes ago. You know, so now you have that, not only that you could make Roth conversions with greater than $100,000 of income, but also you weren't worried about your Roth IRA going through the estate tax grinder with a, a you know, $11 million federal state tax exemption. Mm-hmm. And then Trump's law doubled that. Okay. Um, so those two alone led mm-hmm. to a lot of conversions, which is why you're saying, yeah, because that, that was the point about Peter Thiel's like with only a, a, an annual contribution of 2000, how does it grow to 5 billion? Well, it's, he is, you know, <laughs> that's Peter Thiel. Right. Well, that's true. Even for <laughs> our own clients, when the market's down, a lot of people will convert if we were going to usually we wait till year end. But in times when the market's gone down, we tell people to convert because then all that growth comes back tax when the market does come back tax free. Right. So those are an opportunity when things are going so well. You know, I'm sure in that case, you know, he didn't know, anticipate, maybe he believed in the company, probably had well, no idea it was going to be that big. Well, it wasn't only that company, Carrie. He, right. he would he continued to divest. You know, right. Facebook and other companies Probably, that did pretty well. But right. here's my point. Peter didn't put his $2,000 in the CD. Right. Or gold. Because he was worried about the market. No. He took risks. Right. Well, and the same, you think about it, how many people have taken risk and lost it in that same scenario? I mean, part well, of it was I'm lost. sure the government would be trying to help those people out, too. If Peter Thiel had lost his $2,000, I'm sure he'd be. Oh, yeah. The government would say, oh, Let's help. I don't think so. All right. Um, all right. Also, so so one of the reasons why, obviously, we have a huge mega IRAs is because the stock market has done so well. Okay. Um, so that you could add that to the thing. Um, also, we could say that the, you know, the, the increase in Roth availability. So beyond IRAs. Mm-hmm. So now, of course, 401ks cannot have a Roth option. Mm-hmm. And, and more recently in this in this state, Ohio, you know, the, the, they Ohio came out and said, hey, the Ohio Deferred Comp can have a Roth option mm-hmm. as opposed to just a traditional. So there's more people who are still working, which can, you know, have much larger contributions to a 401k than an IRA. You know, they're putting what they're choosing to put using that contribution and they're electing the Roth option. Mm-hmm. And then when they retire, they're rolling that over to their Roth IRA. Okay, so that's another reason why we have these growing balances in these IRAs and Roth IRAs. Now, there's also what what the idea of these backdoor IRAs and backdoor Roths. And I'm going to get in a little bit, I'm going to, Get more into that 
here in a minute. But that's a different concept. In other words, you got to be careful and you have to understand those rules if you want to take advantage of that opportunity and make a backdoor Roth contribution or even going beyond that and doing what I call the barn door Roth contribution or what other people are calling the mega Roth. Right. And those are look for opportunities. That's what we do for our own clients at the estate planning team, whether you're working and want to talk about contributions or conversions and know when you can afford to retire. If you're in retirement, what you can spend, um, concerns about inflation, market volatility, um, talking about um, future tax increases that many people are concerned about due to government spending, IRA distributions, timing of Social Security, pension elections that you may be faced with, or concerns about financial disruptors, um, such as a long-term care stay or premature death of a spouse or whatever you're worried about. We can model that in and tell you if you're going to be okay and then what steps to take. Um, but we've been doing this more than 35 years. We're a fee-based fiduciary. We're not investment advisors. Our clients do that on their own, or they already have an investment advisor. Then we believe in coordination of advisors, and we work with many investment advisors in the Cleveland area together on cases to give our clients the best results possible. And we offer the free no-obligation consultation by phone or in person and you can call the estate planning team office at 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090. Or visit our website at financialfoodforthought.com. All right. Listen to Mark Donnelly and Kara Waddell, and we're the co-owners of the estate planning team. The estate planning team has been helping Cleveland families build custom financial plans for over 35 years. And over those decades, Carrie, we certainly have walked a lot of our clients through backdoor Roth contributions, certainly barn door Roth. I'm doing Mm -hmm. more and more of those every year. Barn door? People are getting... I know a barn door, but some people are probably like, what? Or Backdoor, barn door? Or Roth conversions, right? Now, what I haven't had to recommend yet is for any of our clients to give up their U.S. citizenship because of the threat Jeez. of higher taxes. But apparently there's a lot of people doing that. Carrie. Oh, geez. Um, I understand people get frustrated with the government, but you know, look how many people come to this country. Uh, good luck with that. So IRS data for 2020 tells us that 6,707 Americans gave up their citizenship and that's a 237% increase from the prior year. Good for them. And it's not only wealthy people, right? So what are there? So the IRS is saying, well, what are the reasons? I'm not sure how the IRS knows these other yeah, reasons. Yeah, I was going to say because it's none of people's their business. Well, maybe it is. I don't or, know. Maybe I that's a maybe questionnaire. A, that you right, but it's a box. I don't think that gets to. So they're saying a lot of it had to do with the Rona. Okay, um, and how countries were handling the quarantines and things. so people were fed up. Well, the idea that th- there some of the if you were in the U.S., you might not be able to get into the other country to do your business. Right. Or see family or I guess. OK. But whereas if you didn't have a U.S. passport, you didn't have those restrictions. A lot of people blame it on the social unrest growing. Mm-hmm. I, I, I Really? Are you going to leave? I mean, it's still a great country. Look how many people come here. I think we have some big issues right now and I hope we can get through them. But. But the, I, but the IRS also says the presidential and Georgia election results with the threat of higher tax increases was also a major cause. So we don't recommend that to our no. clients. Um, you know, but anyways. So and so the broader question is, well, why Roth IRA? And. There's a lot of good reasons to have a Roth IRA, right? One, it is a hedge against rising income taxes. So if you are concerned that income tax rates are going up, now the the question is, are your income tax rates going up? Maybe. Well, they may be. And or maybe in not. In 2026, they probably will be because that's when Most President are. Trump's lower individual tax rates from his 2017 Jobs, Tux, and Jobs uh, Act expire. And we don't know if there's enough votes to make them permanent or extend mm-hmm. them. 
So I don't think don't so think so. That may be a window where you're saying, yeah, I'm looking at lower individual tax rates right now that expire at the end of 2025. And if you're not looking at, maybe you need to be looking at it. Um, one of the advantages of Roth IRAs is if it's your Roth IRA, you don't have to take out a required minimum distribution if you don't mm-hmm. want to. Probably the bigger benefit is if you do want to take money out, it's tax free. As long as you meet the five-year holding right. periods. Carrie, I don't know if I have time to get into the right. five-year holding periods. Just if I do, if right. not, come in and see us for consultation or remind me next week or the end of the show. But you know, basically, there's two you know, there's two five-year holding rules for Roth IRAs. And this, this confuses a lot of people. There's one five-year holding period to get the earnings out tax-free for contributions. There's a second five-year holding rule to get the earnings out tax-free for Roth conversions, all right? Um, and that has caused some, con- you know, issues over the, the years. But back to, you know, the benefits of, you know, that the idea that if, if you've got this tax-free bucket that's part of your total portfolio, and in certain years when you have an expensive tax year, but you still need cash flow, you can choose to dip into the Roth IRA to get that cash flow without worrying about increasing your taxes any further. Perhaps you're trying to stay under one of the thresholds that are out there, you know, as playing the tax limbo game, right? A lot of our clients, that could be where you're still in the zero long-term capital gains tax rate, or it could be where you're still not paying higher Medicare you know, Irma adjustments, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, there's certainly more thresholds than that. So that's the idea that having a tax-free bucket allows you to do those things, right? Also, what's maybe spiking the, the interest in Roth IRAs is the SECURE Act, right? right? passed of in December of 2019, which eliminated the stretch IRA. Okay, so prior to that, you know, the the non-spouse beneficiary, the, you know, general rule was that the non-spouse beneficiaries could, if they inherited an IRA from their parents, let's say, they could stretch it out over their single life expectancy. So Which is you, a long time. Yeah, if you have a 60, 65-year-old who's inheriting mom's IRA, they may still have a 25-year life expectancy. Although, how many people actually stretch it? I think there's a majority just take the money and run. <laughs> Well, and pay the taxes, yeah. but and so what the Secure Act they basically eliminated that, and the general rule now for a non-spouse beneficiary is that they have to get it out within ten years, which is actually can cause more problems because sometimes people receive that when they're already at their peak earning years, so that's throwing them over a threshold. There's something they can't control. Right now, there's still that ten-year distribution rule for Roth inherited Roth IRAs, but at least in that case, it's tax free. -free. And then you put it in some, either spend it or you put it in something that creates interest dividends, capital gains. Um, And, you know, there's also people are learning more about some of the ways you can get money out of Roth IRAs, you know, if before 59 and a half or without, you know, tapping into, you know, penalties, right? For example, you can tap your Roth IRA to buy your first home. Okay. Um, so if you tap your Roth for a first home purchase, in addition to using your contributions for the down payment, you can also withdraw up to $10,000 of earnings tax and penalty free if the account has been open for at least five years. Even if you fail the five-year test, the withdrawal will still be penalty free, but you'll have to pay the tax on the withdrawn earnings. Okay, this ten thousand limit is per person, so couples could withdraw up to twenty thousand of earnings if they each had a Roth IRA. Okay, you can dip into your Roth for if you have a, a new child, the birth of a child, or adopt mm-hmm. a child. So having a baby or adopting a child starting in twenty twenty, you can take up to five thousand dollars in earnings from a Roth IRA or other retirement account following the birth or adoption of a child without paying the usual ten percent early withdrawal penalty. Okay. Um, so, you know, it, it's, if you're married, each spouse can withdraw 5000 from his or her own account penalty free. So, you know, so there's, so there, so the government has been given incentives, you know, to get money into Roth IRAs. That's right. why I don't think they're just going to turn around and stab us all in the back and say, we were just kidding that it's tax free. Right. They but, may put conditions on future ones. Right. So... 
that gets us the idea of the backdoor Roth, right? Um, because, you know, there's certain rules that says how much you could put in to an IRA or a Roth IRA. Right. All right. And just like IRA contributions, Roth has an annual allowance that you're allowed to put in. And I believe this year is still 6000 And if you're over 50, you can do an initial 1000 Is that correct, Mark? I thought I looked this up. Had it. So I believe it's 7000 you can contribute if you're over 55, I believe, or 50, that you can contribute each year. Yeah. Without doing anything fancy, just opening up an account. Right. And then, and then you've got the spousal. Right. So you could do it as... But you also have to... The condition is you have to have earned income. You can't be retired and getting pensions and Social Security and be able to do that. So, yeah. So for 2021, yeah, it's the same as 2020, right? It's, yeah, it's over 50. That's why... Okay, I was right. I thought I... Now, but if you make too much money... Well, here's here's where you get into some of the thresholds, right? In other words... If you're covered by a workplace retirement plan, like mm-hmm. a 401k, okay, right. now there's a phase out if you could still contribute tax-free, you know, pre-tax to an IRA, mm-hmm. right? So for a single, for example, for 2021, if you're covered by a workplace, you know, plan, you can't, you start getting phased out on being able to do a deductible IRA contribution at $66,000 and you're totally phased out at 76000 Okay. Okay. Married jointly, that phase out it ranges from one hundred and five thousand to one hundred and twenty-five thousand. Now, here's also one that whacks a lot of people. You know, be prepared if you're married filing separate. That that phase out comes much quicker. It's a mm-hmm. ten thousand phase out. So at ten thousand, you can no longer do that maneuver. All right. Now there's a different phase out if a married couple one who is not covered by a workplace retirement plan, but is married to someone who is. Okay. Okay. So for that person, their phase out's a bit higher. Instead of the, it's a, it starts being phased out at 198,000 and completely phases out at 208,000. But there's also a phase out for, you know, so in other words, a lot of people say, well, if I can't fund a tax deductible IRA because I'm phased out because I've got a workplace retirement plan, I, can I still do my Roth IRA contribution? Well, there's a phase out there. It has nothing to do with whether you have a workplace retirement plan or not. It's just a phase out on income, right? Right. So the Roth IRA contribution phase out for a single person starts at 125000 and totally phased out at one hundred forty. And for married jointly, starts at 198000 and totally phased out at 208000 That's for 2021. And again... The, the one you got to watch out for is married separately. You know, your Roth IRA contribution phase out is 10 grand. Okay. So basically it's hard to do Roth contributions, you know, if, if you're married filing separately. Now, but the, the idea of the backdoor Roth then is that if you cannot fund a Roth IRA, Right. But can you still fund a non-deductible IRA? See, there is no threshold limitation for that. So you, and because it's after tax money, right? You still have to have earnings. You, you know, you have to have earned income for any of these contributions. All right. So for those with income over those thresholds, you can make non-deductible contributions to a traditional IRA and then later convert the traditional IRA to a Roth IRA. Okay, as I said, there are no income limits on non-deductible IRAs or conversions to a Roth. Since these contributions are non-deductible and you have already been taxed, you can convert the money tax-free. So that is what is commonly called the backdoor Roth. Mm-hmm. You know, where you fund your, like, let's say you're over 50, the $7,000 right. into your non-deductible traditional IRA. Right. And then immediately convert it to a Roth IRA. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. And it doesn't hit your tax return because it was a non-deductible. You right. weren't taking the benefit of contributing to it. That's why if you're making that maneuver, it's recommended that you do it simultaneously. Okay. Immediately. Right. Because if Then you, there's no gains. Yes. In case something in case you have some stock like, you know, that goes up in Yeah, if Peter Thiel, yeah, he put two thousand in, in and, by, and a week later it's a billion dollars. Yeah, you know. Um, Such a nice problem. So yeah, so that's why it's done simultaneously, right? But there's a little catch. Okay, they gotta Always. watch out for it. And that is if you have other IRAs. Mm-hmm. Okay, where were that were deductible contributions in the past. Okay. Okay. Then you've got to prorate the conversion. All right. Um, so if you have deductible contributions in a traditional IRA, then only a portion of the funds converted to Roth will be tax free. You have to calculate that ratio. Okay. So for example, let's, a little complicated. Right. So let's say you already had seven thousand dollars into a IRA that was pre-tax. Okay. And now you want to do the backdoor Roth. Mm-hmm. So you put seven thousand, you know, after tax in that you want to convert to Roth. Okay. Right. So so at that point you now have fourteen thousand dollars in your combined IRAs. Okay. Whether they're in one IRA or separate IRAs, it doesn't matter. Right. Okay. Now you want to do the seven thousand conversion. Well, you've got to prorate. You just can't take that seven thousand after tax and say that's tax free to my Roth. Okay. You have to prorate it. In other words, there's a fifty percent. So fifty percent of your total IRA is pre tax, fifty percent is after tax. Okay. So your seven thousand dollar conversion, thirty five hundred of it would be taxable and thirty five hundred would be non taxable. Okay. So that catches a lot of people because a lot of people have a, when, when they get ready to do this and at that point of their lives of their, you know, financial cycle that they're, they've got the cash flow to do this and they're making too much money to do the, the traditional. That's what, you know, but they don't realize that if they have a bunch of other IRAs. They're all pre-tax. It's not going to very big win. Right. Okay. Now there are, I guess there are ways you can try to circumvent that rule. And by the way, a lot of people say, well, Mark, how do you, how does the government keep track of that? Well, again, I'm not here to discuss how the IRS, you know, watchdogs the, right. the rule. Just here talking about the rules, right? And what you have to do is you have to file form 8606. And on that form, this is where you do the proration. And again, remember, yeah, the IRS does get information from the custodians on all the IRA activity. That's mm-hmm. how they wipe die. Right. So we'll talk a little bit more about, we'll stay on this subject. We'll do the barn door Roth contributions next week. next week, Carrie. And in the meantime, have a good week, Carrie. Get us All out. right. Call for a free consultation by phone or in person at 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com. Tune in next week for more Financial Food for Thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening.